Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zuccardi. Don't mind my allergy voice. I'm a little hoarse today. It's fine. I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. My guest today is Erica Derora. Erica is a senior publicist at MPCO. So by the way, one thing I want to mention is that you'll hear in this episode at the time of the recording, they were called Muddy Paw PR. They have now branded to be MPCO. So she is a senior publicist at MPCO and founder of the international music blog, Musical Notes Global. She is someone who really just finds joy in helping artists achieve their dreams, and she is an expert in all things press. So on today's episode, we talk all about getting press. This includes how to reach out, how to craft a pitch, do you need a press release, what to do about timing of reaching out to press, and when you should do it yourself versus when you should maybe consider hiring someone to help you do it. So... I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I love it too because as we prep for our um, opening up the doors of Out to Launch Patreon, my program that helps you launch your Patreon, we talk all about press and marketing uh, and you know warming up your audience and then launching your Patreon and marketing it during that program. And getting interviews and building authority are all things that we talk about. So this is like a nice episode. You'll hear Erica say multiple times that, PR does not equal sales, but PR is a crucial part of getting sales down the line because when you start to build your authority and you start to build uh, just your presence online and you not only do you grow your audience, but you also grow that um, sort of like no like and trust factor. And that is what helps people to ultimately down the line buy from you when you do sell and launch Uh, and promote something. So press is a crucial part of this because it helps you just get your name out there. It helps you build uh, connections, build your audience, and be able to just get uh, reviews or interviews under your belt so that when you do go to officially promote and sell something, people are there, people are ready and willing and, and want to buy. So let's just go ahead and dive into today's episode. I'm really excited for you to hear everything that Erica has to share. Hey, Erica, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hi, Katie. It's so great to be here today. I am excited to have you here. Now, you work with Money PR, which uh, Angela Mastro Giacomo started, and Angela's been on the podcast before, so we all know and love her. Today, with your brilliance, we are going to talk about press and press campaigns and how to get your name out there. So I'm really excited to dive in. Before we get to the juicy stuff, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. So um, I'm Erica. I'm a senior publicist with Muddy Paw PR. Um, I love my job so much. Working with artists every day is such a dream come true. Um, I got my start in the music industry by um, starting a music blog called Musical Notes Global, where I highlight artists from all over the world and all different styles. And that's how I met Angela. And um, I just, I feel really lucky to be in the music industry. That's amazing. So you started as a blogger yourself and then you sort of took the other side of things where you ended up pitching for artists and working with blogs. It was a really natural transition too. So I, uh, I feel lucky to have that experience going into PR because it really helps, um, get a better understanding of what writers and editors are looking for. Yeah, I totally agree. And I find the same to be true as someone who, you know, pitched herself as an artist and as a coach. And I've also, I also have my own podcast and helped up with, helped out with the Women Crush blog. 
back when I was working with Women Crush. And so it's been really interesting to see like, you know, what I, what I want from people when they pitch to my podcast and therefore what I'm going to include when I pitch to other people so that I make sure that I'm having the best pitch possible. And when you have both sides of experience, it's really a great way to be able to, uh, kind of like put that together to, to hopefully be doing the best strategies that there are out there. Definitely. I feel, yeah, I just feel so lucky. And I know, you know, Angela started the same way. So we both feel like that's just gives us so much more insight and uh, it helps us better serve our artists. Absolutely. So the listeners of these, this podcast are musicians, music industry teachers, coaches, basically multifaceted music entrepreneurs. Now, when it comes to PR campaigns from the artist perspective, it seems like you would do it for like an album release or maybe a single release. Um, from a coach perspective, usually you do it for launches, although you definitely can just do visibility campaigns where you're like trying to get on podcasts or things like that. When do you generally recommend are the best times to do like a full-blown PR campaign? And what does a full-blown PR campaign look like in your eyes? Um, the best times to do a full-blown campaign are when when you have a really exciting and great project that you want to share with the world. Um, You know, we work with, um, we do single campaigns, we do album campaigns, EP campaigns. Um, You know, there's something that some artists um, and probably a lot of people don't understand is that you can't run PR when you don't have anything to promote you know um if they just are like I started a band or I just want to get press it's like well there's nothing to get press about right exactly exactly so you always want to have something to push whether that's a new book or a music video you need something that people want to write about and for us a full campaign um say we are running an album campaign uh we would start by promoting two or three singles ahead of the album and then the uh, album itself. Um, Now the industry has changed a little bit as I'm sure we all know. Uh, It's more of a singles market than an album market. So we have a lot of artists wanting to release like one song a month instead of a full album or leading up to an album. But the traditional strategy still works. But you know we find that blogs and outlets they would prefer to write about a single so we start with those singles in the context of an album campaign just as an example and you build up momentum so you release your first single you start getting some buzz reviews interviews and by the time you get to your next single you could hit some bigger outlets um so that by the time that you get to the album you can go for maybe not billboard, but like a substream or alt press or something like that. And that's really the, the goal of PR is we always say it's, it doesn't lead to sales. That's a misunderstanding. It's not marketing. Um, You're building your reputation through those reviews and interviews. So um, they could open up more opportunities in the future. But 
you know, the whole point of the PR campaign is to build up that buzz, get your name out there, establish your online presence. So um, by the time maybe you're ready to release your next album or next single, the more coverage you have, the more likely a bigger outlet is going to pick you up. For artists that are doing the single each month strategy, how do you guys approach that? Because it feels like, you know, if you were trying to get press for every single single, you would just be constantly doing press or trying to get press. And then if you're pitching the same outlets all the time, but just for different songs, like, wouldn't that get tiring? How do you navigate that? I think for us, we're just starting to see that shift from doing the traditional album campaigns and EP campaigns to the one single a month strategy. Um, But I don't think that for me anyway, um, say you want to release like five singles over five months. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as like the potential for building up that momentum, you know, so if you start with your first single, you're hitting, I don't know, 50 or 60 outlets and say 20 of them pick, decide to cover it. When you're ready for your next single, you go to those outlets first because you know that they're already interested in what you're doing and they're more likely to cover you again. And then you go to new outlets. You can go to bigger outlets. It's all about the momentum. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So I want to talk about when someone is ready to actually pay for press versus when we can do it uh, or when we should do it ourselves a little bit later. But right now I want to assume that everyone is doing it themselves. Maybe they just, they're just getting started or they just don't have the budget and they're doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. First question I have for you is about SubmitHub. This is less for the coaches, more for the artists, because that's really the big place where indie artists who are doing it themselves go to try and get press. Do you have right. thoughts on that or, you know, recommendations for like how people should or shouldn't approach trying to get on music blogs? You know, I know that Submit Hub is a, an important tool for artists who are doing PR themselves. We don't submit for our artists through that platform. So when we come across outlets that use that as their only way of submission. I don't love it. I don't love those um, those platforms. Like I forgot the other, the other one. God, what's the name of it? I forgot. But, you know, because when we're doing press for our artists, um, like I said, we don't submit through those platforms. So we could find a really good outlet. I'm like, you know, I'm not like too familiar with the other side of it. So, um, but I do know artists that use that a lot and have gotten good press from there. For people who are doing it themselves, it sounds like you obviously recommend, you know, yeah, use it if you have to, but emailing people is going to be the best bet. And when you're emailing people, what do we, well, first off, actually, how do we figure out who to email? Because I feel like there is a barrier when you're coming up against press and you're trying to find contact information. It's either hard to find or they're directing you to submit hub. So you guys obviously have the connections and that's a benefit of hiring people. But right. for indie artists who are kind of just doing it themselves or DIYing it, how can we just get the best out of it and make sure that we're getting to the right person? And then we'll talk about what goes in the email. But as far as, far as that first like contact search goes, what goes into it? 
Um, well, first you want to find the outlets that um, are relevant to what you're doing and those give you the best chance at coverage. So if you're a rock artist, you wanna go to an outlet that's covering rock. Or if you're like dance pop, you wanna go to an outlet where you want to know whatever outlet that you're submitting to, you want to make sure that they're covering something similar to you. So, you know, you could submit to just rock outlets, but you could also cover, um, submit to a blog that covers all different styles, as long as they're covering rock, you know, like, you don't want to throw something at an editor where they're like, why are you sending this to me? You want it to be something in their uh, wheelhouse. So um, that's the that's one of the the big um, things that I think that I've seen too with uh, being on the blogging side. Even though with my blog I cover all different genres, I know that's a big not a big problem, but you know some artists will. Um, They'll be like, okay, here's my album and I'm going to send it to everybody. <laughs> and you can't just like throw spaghetti at the wall and expect right. it to stick. So um, you want to be intentional with who you're reaching out to. And the other um, really, really important thing to remember is that the people that you're submitting to are in fact people. <laughs> And you have to remember that it's a two-way street. Um, you can't just submit your project and um, expect them to cover you and not do anything in return. So um, for a band, that would mean if, an, if a blog decides to review your album um, to make sure you share the coverage. And that's something that I've seen a lot. I've experienced it on the blogging side where I've um, covered a, a band, um, whether it's an interview or a review, and they won't share it on their social media. And um, that I know can be frustrating because bloggers, the same as artists, they want to grow their platforms. And if if you're not sharing their work and showing them that you appreciate their work, they're going to be less likely to cover you again. And, you know, like, it's just like everybody, you want to know that you're appreciated. Um, like bands want to know their music is appreciated by getting covered. It's the same on the other side. It's a two-way street. And of course, as everybody knows, the music industry is all about relationships and building those relationships and working on the ones that you already have. So you want to do everything you can to keep those relationships strong. And by sharing your coverage um, and showing that you appreciate the effort, because you know a lot of bloggers aren't getting paid for what they do, um, you know, it really helps. Because then when you release your next project, you go back to that outlet and they're gonna be so happy to cover you again. Whereas if you just um, made, asked them to interview you and didn't share it anywhere, you know, or even said thank you, 
they're not, they might not ever want to work with you again. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I know for some outlets, they make it hard to find that contact information, (laughs) but there are a few ways that you could do it. First, you check the contact page. If there's nothing there, you can check the Facebook page. A lot of times in the about section, they list an email. If there's a certain writer that covers your style of music on a certain site, you can try um, Googling them and see if they write for any other sites or if they have a Twitter. A lot of times writers will um, put their contact information on their Twitter profile and even LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of different ways that you can um, track down that information. Sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes all you have to work with is a contact form and that still works. Yeah. Um, But I would, you know, the direct emailing is always the preferred contact (laughs) method. And another really important thing to emphasize is when you're sending out your emails to is to make sure to personalize those messages. Don't just um, send out like a template. Don't forget to like you want to make sure you're referencing the outlet name and writing directly to the if you can find the specific writer. Um, you know, some outlets list the writers for the different genres or different um, topics. Um, so you want to get as specific as possible. And sometimes it's, a, it's just a general email and that's okay. As long as you're conveying like a genuine voice in your pitch and you're showing your appreciation for their work and um, their platform if you're writing, if you're pitching a specific writer, reference some of their previous work so they know that you're like, you're not just emailing them as part of your list of a (laughs) hundred blogs. You want to um, show that you're familiar with what they're doing and they're not just a number to you. Because everything, like, I swear, everything goes back to the relationship building. Yeah. Like, look at these things like you would a friendship, you know? Like, you're not going to write to your friend some, like, copy and paste email that you're sending to all of your other friends. You know, it's going to be specific to that person. (laughs) So you want to remember that whenever you're interacting with people, whether it's a, a writer or anybody in the industry, you want to show your passion and you want to be genuine because being like fake doesn't get you anywhere. You know, you don't want, you want to be who you are. The relationships are just so important. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something like I just can't emphasize enough, you know, um, and I do feel that a lot of people forget that yeah. um, it's easy when you're behind a computer screen to to remember that the people on the other side are real people and yeah. and you don't just want to be asking and asking and demanding from those people you want to create a a connection where you can help each other yeah 
Yeah, that's so important. Yeah. So when it comes to um, actual outlets, I have a question for you because I feel like, and this might be radical to say, but I feel like <laughs> indie blogs are dying. I said it. I'm not going to take it back. I really feel like it's true because I don't know any person who freaking reads an indie blog aside from the top tier ones, you know, the really know. big ones. That being said, I also acknowledge, like, in order to get to those top tier ones, you have to have some lower level press to show right. your credibility and your authority. Exactly. However, this is a two-parted question, because the first okay. part's going to be, like, you know, it. what do you think is the reason or the importance, really, of getting the lower level blogs? Like, is it really just so we can build the ladder, but it's not actually going to get us much visibility? And then the second part is... Like, is, are there other ways that people can get unique press? And I'll preface that as well by saying, like, I usually work with my clients, uh, whether they're coaches or artists, to think about the themes in their music, not just the genre, and to look at blogs and podcasts as well that cover those themes. So, like, if an artist is writing songs about grief, let's go to some grief podcasts because that's where their audience yeah. is going to be beyond just, like, it's indie pop or whatever. So what is your take on my radical statement and what do you have to say? <laughs> well, the the indie blogs are still really important. The great thing about them is there's a couple of things that um, both me and Angela, we really love about them. So the first is that with those blogs, they are still so excited to cover new artists they and we I love their um their passion for what they're doing um a lot of times you get the best reviews and the best interviews from those outlets so even though they're a smaller blog you're getting good quality stuff and that's really important to building up your momentum and establishing your presence because one good, one awesome review is worth more than 10 like copy and paste or like one sentence <laughs> posts. Um, they really do. And I understand, you know, a lot of artists, they want billboard and those bigger outlets, but those smaller blogs are so important because you get that passion there and they put time not to say that the bigger outlets don't do the same but this it's more personalized with the smaller blogs you know a lot of the writers I work with they're they're so excited to get our pitches and to see who we're working with and um as a publicist, we love building those relationships um, with all the new writers because there are still new blogs popping up <laughs> um, all the time. And we love meeting those writers and um, being able to place our artists with them because we know that we're gonna get some awesome interviews and um, different types of coverage from them. The other thing that I love about the um, smaller blogs is that a lot of times those writers, they start there, but they tend to move up to bigger outlets 
So you establish that relationship with them from the beginning, just like with the band, you know, like you follow your favorite band from the local scene to the national stage, you know? So um, you form those relationships with those writers. And that's why it's so important when you're doing your own PR to um, really foster those connections because a lot of times those writers move up to bigger outlets like Substream or Billboard or Rolling Stone or whatever. So the small, those small blogs still have a lot of value, even though I know it doesn't feel like it. And we do have bands all the time. They come to us and they say, oh, we want ear milk and billboard and consequence of sound and all that. And we're like, especially if it's a first release, we start them in those smaller blogs to get those good reviews, to set them up to get into the bigger outlets. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. You've convinced me. <laughs> but yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. I love the relationship building that you've really painted here and that it's, you know, not just about like, because really it's unrealistic as well to just think, oh, you came out of the womb and now you're going to be on billboard. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. not possible. <laughs> yeah. and we have to build it up. Exactly. Um, but that I have to remind like, so many clients about like you need to build up the momentum first yeah and get there eventually but it does take time it's not going to happen overnight <laughs> yeah yeah and the relationships too like you said like those writers are also growing so if you're yeah. able to build relationships with people before they blow up in your careers once they do and once you do you can help each other out and you can have that great relationship already established um, and then have it be that much easier to get into those bigger outlets or, you know, whatever the opportunities might be. So that's exactly. such a good point. Now, as far as thinking outside of the box for like where we should go, do you have any tips on that? Well, what you said about looking for the themes is awesome. And we do that too. The band we're working with, they're, um, they're promoting a song about grief or, um, self-love or um flowers you know yeah <laughs> we're going to look for those outlets that cover those topics because it broadens your scope um in the past we've worked with i think one of our clients was also a yoga instructor mm. so we hit some yoga blogs um recently i worked with an artist who was a big huge horror film buff and we got her an interview with a horror news website that's awesome so yeah we do that all the time yeah we love to do that because it opens up the um the variety of outlets that we can um reach out to it helps the artist get to new audiences um yeah, we, we always make sure we, we hit those out of the box. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I feel like that kind of stuff is more for audience building. Yes. Whereas the local blogs or the small indie blogs are more for like credibility building. And like, yeah. um, like you keep saying, like building that momentum to kind of like, I don't want to say climb the ladder, but like be able to work your way up of saying, oh, I got this tier one blog and now right. I can get the tier two blog. Exactly. Yeah. To work your way up that way. Whereas the more like 
brand specific ones or theme specific ones allow you to just like talk more about yourself and really potentially open up to new audiences. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So when it comes to actually sending out the email, Mm -hmm. first question, when do we actually need a press release? You want to have your press release ready for when you're sending out your pitches. So do we need to have a press release for every pitch or every type of pitch? Or can sometimes just an email do the job? A lot of times just an email can do the job. Um, When we're pitching, you know, we have our email list and we send out our press releases to the list, but we're doing the personalized pitching and unless an outlet requests the press release, we don't send it out with every email. As when, as long as your pitch has enough information and enough of the right information, um, you don't need to be sending it out. I do want to also note that when you're sending out your pitches, not to include a million attachments. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Good point. <laughs> so um, what is crucial there? Like, I know I used to work at a PR or intern at a PR firm back in college. And like, it was like, you had the text, which was very long. And then we had a photo at the bottom and like press releases. And I was just like, I ended up when I started doing it, I was like, I took the photo out. I kept it simple. I linked it up to the stuff or said, if yes. you want this, I'll send it over. Cause otherwise it's a huge email file <laughs> and it's just really overwhelming. Yes, exactly. So you want to keep it short and simple, link where you can, no downloads, no attachments, unless it's requested, unless submission guidelines say we want a copy of your press release. And even then, link to it in a Dropbox or a Google folder, no attachments. Everything should be links, (laughs) Uh, streaming links, no downloads, whatever, unless the outlet requests, you know, you always want to make sure you're following the submission guidelines if the outlet outlines them on their site. But nobody wants a million attachments. It just takes up space in the inbox. Um, I would suggest, even though when you're pitching initially, you might not need a press release, I would suggest writing one anyway. Okay. Good job on hand. Um, some sites request that you send a press release and they will um, post the actual press release. Right. So it is good to have on hand. Um, and it helps you, I think, come across a little bit more professional, um, especially if it's written well. Um, <laughs> that's really important. I've seen my fair share of poorly written pitches, press releases, bios. Yeah. You know, um, it's almost better to have nothing than to have something that's written poorly. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think goes into a really good press release? A really good press release will um, capture the attention of whoever's reading it. So you kind of want to present whatever the press release is about as a story. You want to have information about who you are, what the project is about, 
you know, a lot of times people forget how important emotion is um, when you're pitching something. Um, and that's something I do a lot where, and I think I just kind of developed this when I was working on my blog. Um, instead of writing about the mechanics, you want to focus on what is special about the song and how it's going to, I don't want to say like change somebody's life, but- But yeah, how it's going to resonate. How it's going to resonate. And a press release is another way for you to show, for you to make what you're doing stand out from every everybody else's stuff. Right. Um, so it's not just like indie pop song about love released by yeah, New yeah. York artists. It's more about like the emotions and what people are going to feel and like maybe a little bit about like sort of where it came from and why it's impactful. Yes. You don't want it to sound robotic. You don't want it to sound cookie cutter. Um, and when you're doing your own PR campaign, you want to make yourself stand out. Nobody cares if all you say that it's an indie pop song or if it's a love song. Yeah. Like, talk about the meaning behind the song. And that's like when we're working with our artists and we ha always have them give us a quote about the album or the song so we can include it in the press release. And we want them to tell us what the song means. And sometimes they start talking about the mechanics, like, oh, we recorded it here, but no. Yeah, nobody cares. What like, does it literally, mean? <laughs> I'm like, I know a lot of artists too who will be like, and we got this guy and that guy and this person and that person to like write and record and play on the blah, blah. And unless that person's like a huge name, again, nobody cares. Like, right. it, the where I feel like where I would care if it was like, I am a local Brooklyn native and we got all these like Brooklyn artists to feature on it because this is a message about like hometown blah blah like right. that's when it might matter but right. yeah to just it's it's just to your point of like the mechanics are not as important of like and this is where we recorded it and this is who did played the drums and this is who did this like that stuff it doesn't actually resonate with people it just right. describes what you did yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like you want to give people a reason to write about you. Yeah. So I take it the same goes for your email pitch as well. Those are the exactly. same things you should uh, do, except maybe a little bit shorter. Right. You want to do like a paragraph and <laughs> that's about it. You don't want to go on for pages about the song, where we recorded it, who produced it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, I've gotten pitches where it has like five paragraphs of information <laughs> and that like, means nothing <laughs> give me a summary like a pitch is a summary right of the project and a little bit about who you are it's like a little like it's like a teaser kind of like you want to be able to pull somebody in in a paragraph and all the important information needs to be in that paragraph. And it's yeah. possible. 
Like, you don't need to go on for five paragraphs. Absolutely, yeah. And so, like you said, nobody you're giving... Time for that. Yeah, seriously, nobody has time for that. <laughs> like, you are not the center of the universe. Exactly. Breaking news. Um, but as you were saying, like, you want to link things out. Like, you want to have your links to, like, I guess, you know, SoundCloud or whatever works, private right. links that people can listen to it. And probably links to, like, your bio, any other relevant links people would right. um, use press release, of course, as requested. Do you think EPKs are helpful to have in this circumstance? Because I feel like when people think of EPKs, it's usually used to pitch to gigs. But how do you like to use it in the realm of pitching to press or, or having uh, as a press tool? Yeah, EPKs are great because in our pitches, that's where we we link um, people to the EPK. And that's your bio, your press photos, um, if you want to include a quote about the project, um, even a copy of your press release, it all goes in the EPK and it's like really useful um, for the writers because everything is in one place. They don't have to track everything down. You can include, include your links to your social media there. Everything that anybody could need can go right in that EPK. One link, you're done. I love that. Now, do you have recommendations for where artists and even coaches, like I am actually in the process of creating my own EPK, if you will, or it's really just like a press page where I'm going to have like, you know, here are the topics that I talk about. Here's what I can guest train on or speak on at like a conference. Um, you know, here's photos you can use. So when I'm on podcast or press, I can just link it up. I know I'm going to create that right inside Kajabi, which is where I host my website and landing pages for some artists, you know, some of them might not have websites or they just have like basic websites. What's a good place to host an EPK? What's the most convenient one? <laughs> and what what's the easiest one for people to look at? Um, honestly, just like a Dropbox folder or a Google Drive folder is like the easiest, uh, I think, for anybody to, to access. Okay, perfect. Um, we use, yeah, we use both of those. Um, for me personally, as a blogger, I don't love when I get linked to an EPK on a website. <laughs> okay, uh, why not? I'm curious. It's just like, I don't know, it feels disorganized or I don't know. It's just so much easier for like, you could go into a folder and there's everything right there. That's a lot, you know, a lot of times in EPKs, like a band will put their photos, but you have to like go and download each photo. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Where if you want in a Dropbox, you could just download the whole folder or right. I don't know, just for me, I always just liked either the Dropbox or the Google Drive because I don't know. It's I, you know, I honestly like getting I don't I think just getting linked to an EPK page and I'm sh sure like other people feel the opposite way. I don't know. It just would, it just would always frustrate me. I think it would depend too, if it was a general EPK versus a press specific one. Like to yeah, me, it makes yes, sense exactly. if you're like, yeah. here's the album or here's the single and you're going to include like, here are the photos that go along with this specific release right. and the, and the cover and you know, the links to it and the specific press release where a more general EPK is just like, here are our general photos and our exactly. bio. And yeah. it's not as, uh, it's not as information he yeah. heavy or as specific. So it might not be necessary, but I love the Dropbox or, or Google Drive 
folder idea because it really is easy to just plop it in there. Anyone could do it. You don't have to like have a special website or anything and it's easy for people to view. So that definitely makes sense. So now that we have everything we need to actually send it out there, what do you uh, usually consider when it comes to timing for outreach? So let's say somebody is reaching out to promote a, a album release or maybe a launch even of a course. How far in advance should we start the press outreach in order to actually have press that comes out before or around the time of the release? Yeah, that's, um, I think that's a subject that um, you'll get different opinions on. At Muddy Paw, we um, start press outreach the day of, like, on release day. I know other agencies will start a couple of weeks in advance. For indie artists, we find that starting on release day is just as effective as if you were starting ahead of time. That's um, really interesting. I've yeah. never heard that before, to be honest <laughs> with you. Some outlets do require that you submit ahead of time. So it's important to stay mindful of that. But with a single release, starting on release day is totally fine. Um, Where it matters is when you're releasing an album. Okay. Because once an album releases, it loses relevance very quickly. Okay. So if you're running a traditional PR strategy for an album, which means two or three singles ahead of the album release, maybe one after, when you're pitching out those first two singles, you want to offer or just link in your pitch to a private stream of the album. You wanna give writers as much time as possible to, to listen and write their reviews. So by release, by the um, time the album releases, they can have their reviews ready. So that's where it really matters. If you're running a traditional album campaign, you want to make sure when you're promoting those singles to be pushing the album simultaneously. Because it's surprising, It's and especially because it's such a singles market right now. Yeah. Albums are very hard to get traction for. Um, Not as many outlets tend to write full reviews anymore. Like nobody has time. Yeah. Um, So you want to give people, if writers are so inclined, if it's a a site that just reviews albums and they're, they're still out there, you want to give them time. So when you're, pitching a single on single release day, what kind of turnaround do you usually get from that? Like, because I always thought release or pitch like two weeks ahead of time at least. Um, So if you're pitching someone the day of, do you find that usually you can get coverage like the week of the release or something like that? And with that being said as well, like, do you guys take special consideration into trying to get features, you know, where, or premieres where it comes out on a specific blog first. And in that case, what's the strategy there? So when we start a campaign on release day, um, usually we start getting features within that first week. And depending on the outlet, we get features posted within a few days 
um, definitely within the first week and then um, more coverage follows as we're pitching out. Like we don't pitch everything all on that day. Right. We'll take like maybe 60 pitches and split that up over four or five weeks. But yeah, it's totally possible. Like we run all our campaigns that way and we've had a lot of success. We actually stopped doing premieres because we found that they just, they kind of don't matter to be very blunt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's not like it's like super special, for, like having someone review it versus premiere it. Like it's not a huge deal. Yeah, yeah like, and even being on the blogging side, I used to do premieres and then I stopped because I would do them and they wouldn't get shared. That's really frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like you're asking, you're coming to me. I'm not coming to you. You're coming to me asking if I will premiere your song and then you're not going to share it. It's not only my job to share that coverage. Yeah. You're the one who asked for it. Mm-hmm. And it's your song. Don't you want to share that news? Like, so this, your audience can go listen? I feel like that is what separates artists who kind of like flounder versus artists who become successful because like if you're not going to take the time and energy to share celebrate thanks give gratitude you know reciprocate every single thing that comes your way even if it's a a quick thank you even if it's a quick instagram message or whatever it is you know depending on what the actual circumstances are but like in this case if you're asking for a premiere you share the premiere now you just ruined a relationship with someone who does press and has relationships with tons of other people because you didn't do it it's like small things like that that really really matter yes and you would be I mean I could constantly shocked at the amount of artists that don't understand that yeah because even like even like I said before even for a regular review that's not a premiere, a review or an interview, and then nobody shares it. Yeah. Then the writer is not going to waste their time covering you again. Yeah. It's a two-way street. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So this is very helpful for anyone. Make sure that you're taking note of that. Make sure you're sharing. You know, make sure you're giving back as much as you can to the people who do cover you. Um, one more question about timing. So I find this is super interesting about the like blog world. I find in the podcast world as a podcaster myself, many podcasters are working ahead of time. So they're not just going week to week. Uh, they're really scheduling out up to months, many months in advance, sometimes up to four, even six months in advance, people are batch working. So Not saying you have to reach out six months before something comes out. That might be a little excessive, but you want to be working ahead of time. So I'm curious if you've had any experience uh, with what you find works well. Um, I usually say like maybe a month beforehand to try to start pitching podcasters or um, sometimes other blogs where there is more lead time needed um, for like larger outlets. But do you have any opinion on this or have you found anything that works? Um, you know, we do pitch to podcasts occasionally, but I think that the ones that we've pitched to, they don't, um, require a lead time. Okay. Maybe because they're smaller, you know, we do most of our placements in like blogs and stuff. So 
Um, and I know Angela will probably have more to say about that. Um, I don't do much with podcasting. Okay, um, gotcha. I have I have gotten a few placements for artists with podcasts, but it, they haven't been where it was like we had to like pitch them like way ahead of time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So um yeah my two cents would be start ahead of time at least a little bit ahead of time for podcasts because you know you it's not just a write-up where the uh, the writer takes it and does their thing it's like you have to actually sit down and record it so that takes time of course and then it needs to get edited and whatnot um but now you have timeline for many different avenues and when you should actually start reaching out which is great so last question and last thing I want to discuss before we wrap up is when is somebody actually ready to pay for press or, you know, hire an agency like you guys at Money PR, Money Pop PR, or when is somebody just like not ready and they shouldn't put their money into it and they should maybe just do it themselves or maybe they need to work on other things before they actually mm-hmm. bring someone else on? So an ideal situation for us would be where the band has their social media like in good shape they have their branding down their music is I don't want to say like radio friendly because that's but you want like the music needs to be like good quality like we don't it can't really sound like you just recorded it in your basement and you could hear like the static or whatever you know they have to be ready to present themselves in like a professional and like polished a, way. Right. Um, but that's not to say like we work with all levels of artists. A lot of our campaigns are for debut projects. Um, part of what we do is um, we do help with branding and helping bands straighten out their social media so they could get on the right track. Um, ideally, would we love a band to have everything together and ready to pitch to billboard yeah but really the most important thing is that the music is good uh it's something that people want to hear um has a good message um but really I guess at the root of it all is somebody is usually ready to work with a PR agency when they feel like they can't do it all themselves anymore. Because I know in music, there's so much that bands and artists, they have to think about like running the social media and working on branding and setting up shows and all that. So when you could delegate one part of that to somebody else, um, that's when you know you're ready, uh, when you just can't do it anymore. Or if you're not, you know, some people just aren't geared toward that. Some people aren't, you know, they could write the most amazing song, but maybe they can't convey that in a paragraph or right. it's hard to write about your own stuff too. And maybe you have experienced this yourself. I know I have when I have to write something about myself. I'm, yeah so hard sometimes you just need somebody who's a little bit removed to be able to present something in the the best light possible um I think usually like artists kind of know when they need help with PR um sometimes they come to us too soon Mm -hmm. 
and they're not quite at that level. Either the music isn't there yet or the social media isn't there yet. Because blogs do want to see a social media presence. Yeah. So you're um, saying you have to be showing up like regularly. Yeah. Brand set up and, and stuff yeah. like that. You have to be like invested in what you're doing. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, we started a band and here's our single. And then you're just going to disappear in a few months. Yeah. You want also, to be, be a huge like, waste of your money, I feel like, to exactly, hire someone. Yeah. That. That's right. You want to know that this is something that you're going to stick with and that putting that money into it is going to pay off for you. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, it's important to remember that PR does not equal sales. It's more about just building your presence. And that's something that we have to constantly remind our clients about is that it's not going to necessarily lead to more streams. It's not going to lead to more album sales. It's going to set them up so they have that presence and they have something for people if somebody comes across their song on Spotify and they Google them, something will come up and yeah, interview. I call it authority building. Yes, like you want to build that. your authority <laughs> as a professional and like reviews and, and write-ups and interviews and podcasts and all of that stuff helps to just number one, share more of who you are. And number two, build your authority. Yeah. Oh, somebody's writing about them. They must be legit. Exactly, it it yeah. builds your credibility. It builds your authority. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> you could steal that word if you yeah, want. <laughs> um, no, but that's such a great way to put it because it's true. Like a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get on this blog and then I'm going to blow up. And you know, yes, the hope is hopefully somebody reads that and resonates with your music and you get another fan or you get another stream. But especially for the smaller blogs, it's really helpful to build up that authority and credibility. You might not be reaching the masses, but that's okay because you need a visibility in terms of audience building. Um, and you also need authority building. Like that is a huge part of growing your artist career. So yes. even if it's not serving as the most visibility, so to say, to a new audience of super fans, it's still building your authority and you do need that as a growing musician. So it's very, very important to make sure that yeah. you're, you're taking these steps. Especially yeah. if you are a coach or you are an artist who's maybe able to share tips of like, you know, here's my mental health tips or here's the journey I went through or here's a story. Like that stuff even further builds the authority because you're yes. really showcasing your knowledge and being able to help and serve people beyond your music. Yes. Awesome. So yeah. So this was so incredible. Thank you so much for dropping all this knowledge today, Erica. Where can we keep up with you, connect with you, and work with you? Um, okay, so you can check out Muddy Paw PR at muddypawpr.com. We're at muddypawpr on all social media. Um, you can check out my blog at musicalnotesglobal.com. And follow me on Instagram at Erica the Writer. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Out to Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.